But you know what I'm saying? Like, I am my, I'm more interested in a relationship with my child than I am with the results of her life. And so I wanted to, I began to dive into this because I want to understand, because I know that the Bible is all about producing fruit, because the scripture is all like, it's definitely not about that. But at the same time, it's totally about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I feel like sometimes the pressure that we can experience in life is, is it's not about results, but it's totally about results. And you're like, how, how is this, how is that possible? It's not about how good you can do, but do as good as you can. And you're like, what? How? I don't, how? And I think that honestly, sometimes what can happen is because of that, we can shy away from stepping out, right? A lot like with me skating on the ice. I was so focused on trying to be the best image of myself that I was actually missing the point of the drill. I was more focused on the drill. My coach was more focused on how hard am I doing that drill? And so I, 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 I try to understand this, this really this, the, the New Testament Christian life is like we're living life on the edge of a razor blade, you know? Because I think that's why the scripture says the way to life is narrow, right? Not necessarily that it's like, you know, few are they that find it, that there's some that are chosen and you have to be, no, no, it's not that. It's just, honestly, it can get so confusing because it's like, you know, don't do this. And then you read like three scriptures later and it's like, oh, but you remember that thing I told you not to do? Do that thing. And you're like, how is this possible? And I began to ask myself this question because I honestly want to know. I want to know how do I live and exist in this New Testament life where it's not about results, but Jesus is looking for my life to produce fruit. And that could sometimes be challenging because what we naturally want to do as human beings is we want to begin to perform. That's just the truth. That's the way that our culture is programmed, that the better you can be, the smarter you can be, the better looking you could be, the more athletic you can be, to those people go the good things of life. But if you're just average, expect an average life. And so what happens is, is when we hear that God is looking for fruit, he's looking for results, the Great Commission is go into all the world and produce fruit. What can sometimes happen to us is we can begin to really step into this place of performance when that's actually not what God was talking about at all. And so for some people, they get so heavily into performance where they're pushing and they're pushing and they really have cut God out of their life because they're trying to live for God. And then you have the other camp of people where because they feel like it's, there's so much pressure and you have to conform to a certain image and it has to be a certain thing and where it, it, it really steals the life out of people's Christianity. It steals their ability to step out because they are always so much more aware of what's wrong in them than what's right. And I don't think the New Testament is supposed to be like that at all. It's like when I think about the Apostle Peter. He's the most relatable, I think, New Testament figure to us. And we watch him make mistake after mistake after mistake. But what was so amazing to me was Jesus was not, you think about it, if it was a job, you know, like once, you know, we'll, we'll tell you. 
please don't. Twice, we'll give you a slap on the wrist. Three times, you know, four times. And we watched Peter, like, mess up after mess up after mess up, you know, culminating in when he denies Jesus three times. I mean, it doesn't get much lower than that. But then you read when Jesus is resurrected, the only disciple that he calls for is Peter. You know, not John, the one who self-proclaimed to be the one who Jesus loved the most. It wasn't Andrew or James, Jesus' brother. No, Jesus called for the guy who seemed to mess up the most. And I thought about that because that challenges as a driven, performance kind of person. It bothered me because I felt like it should have been John. It should have been James. It should have been one of these guys who really only did good. But it's Peter. You know, and then like Philip, or, or not Philip, Thomas. Gets a lot of airtime too at this point. The doubter. You know, we don't hear about Andrew, who was just like happily going along to the tomb, excited to meet Jesus. No, we, doubting Thomas gets talked about. Why? I realized something about this relationship that God has with it. He's not looking for perfection. He's actually just looking for us to do our best. You see, this was the thing about Peter. Peter was the guy that was skating on the ice with me that was falling all the time. And I was looking at him through my own lens, judging him, saying, well, that guy is definitely not going to make the team. I mean, look at him. He's like falling all over the place. He's tripping. He's... But what did Jesus saw? What did Jesus see? What was it in Peter? Peter was like living to the max. You know, like Peter was the guy who in class, before the teacher could finish answering the question, he was like, oh, oh, pick me. And you're like, clearly you don't know the answer because I didn't finish the question. That was kind of Peter's MO. Peter was just like trying so hard to just be the most that he could be. I think that's why Jesus felt so confident in knowing that Peter could lead the church. Because Jesus knew there was this nature in Peter where he was driven to be the very best version that he could be. You know, the problem is so often is judging. You know, because that's what I did when I was skating around, you know, very gingerly skating, making sure that I did every drill just right, that as I turned and I did all the things and I, my perspective was I was judging those people that were falling. But you know what I realized about judging people? I realized that when you judge people and you make like a call about somebody else, like somebody does something and you make an assumption as to why they did it, you're ultimately just exposing your own personal story, Right? because I can only judge people based off of my own personal experiences. And so I, what happens is, is that I judge the people on the ice as they're falling, but I'm judging them out of the fact that, you know, 18 months ago, I just got cut from the team because I was a little sloppy on the ice. 
And so now I'm looking at them feeling like, you're so sloppy in the ice, all you guys are going to get cut. And because of that, I actually missed out on the very thing that was going to get me the opportunity I was looking for. Now, when we see this, and it's like, yes, how amazing would it be to live in a judgment-free world that nobody is able to tell me what, you know, how good my relationship is with the Lord, how, uh, how I'm supposed to look, how I'm supposed to be, because I can imagine that's the way that Peter was, right? Everybody was trying to judge Peter, but Peter understood something. But I realized that when we live in a place like this, we become the judges of our own life, Okay. And this is where I want to get to because I feel like this is a real place that, 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 that I had to get to. And I also know that people come to this place in their journey with Christ is we have to come to this place where we begin to honestly take a look at our own lives and establish like, how would I rate myself? You know, like you've ever done those things like at work or different places where you do a self-performance, like a, you, you rate yourself, uh, a self-evaluation, I think that this is the thing that we have to begin to become a little bit more uh, familiar with in our Christian walks is a place where I'm honestly taking a look at my own life and asking myself some of the difficult questions. Because I, I, I really am becoming more and more convinced that if God isn't looking for perfection, but he is looking for results, what he is looking for is that each and every one of us would give the very best that we can give. I know for me, when I was growing up and, and, and serving the Lord and thank God less and less all the time is I was always looking for what can I get, a, how can I get away with as much as possible? You know, like, let me try to find the loophole to the loophole to the loophole so that I can somehow figure out a way in order to be as far away from the place that I'm supposed to be, but still feel justified to live in that place. But you know, I realize. I'm totally missing the point of the New Testament when I live that way. Because God, if he's not judging me based off of my performance, what he is looking for in each one of us is that we would honestly do our best to give our best to God. This is the kind of the thing that I think about is there's so many debates that go on nowadays. You know, is tithing for today? Is healing for today? Can you hear the voice of, and we hear all of these things all the time and there's so many things. But you know what I realized? I'm not trying to like get as far away from the word as possible and still be righteous. I'm looking to be to, to, to jump in there as much as I possibly can because right or wrong, I want to do my very best to get as close to God and his desires as possible. Because I tell you something, at that point, I can live in a place where I, I experience the freedom of grace because I'm honestly not trying to get away with as much as possible. I think this is where people become so afraid of grace because grace is this ability to really do whatever you want. And that's the truth, is that God loves you regardless of what you did this morning. But I tell you, we enter into the benefits of grace because of the fact that I honestly want to get as close to God as possible. Not that I'm trying to use grace as an excuse to do whatever the things that I want to do. Does that make sense? This is what Colossians 3.23 says. And whatever you do, 
do it wholeheartedly as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that it's from the Lord that you will receive the reward of inheritance. Right? It says, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly. I realize that today, all God is looking for me to do is to do the very best I can do today. Not get caught up in the person that I'm going to be five years from now. Or you know how sometimes it could be in that place where even you feel like, I don't know what's wrong, but I know something is wrong with me. And so we become obsessed with trying to find the things that are wrong with us instead of realizing, no, 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 no. All God is asking me to do today is to do the very best that I can do. And what grace is all about is that God will, when I do my best, his grace kicks in and fills the gap of what I couldn't accomplish. I simply trust that God is taking care of and doing in my life what I can't do. I mean, this is the story of the father that I talked about, the father of the son in Mark 9, where, you know, the son is on the ground and he's having seizures, he's demon possessed and all these things. And Jesus comes to him and says, you know, there's this exchange that they have and Jesus tells him, like, just believe. And the man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. How is that? Like, how can I say both of those things at the same time? I realized that what the man was doing was in that moment, he was giving Jesus as much as he could give him. And the thing that's amazing to me about the story is Jesus didn't say, hey, six months from now, meditate on the scripture, study it. When you get to the place where everything is worked out, come on back. I'll pray you're faithful. That's not what Jesus did. The best that the man had in that moment was all that Jesus needed in order to do what Jesus needed to do. Isn't this the story of the widow's might, right? Where there's all these people that are coming to the temple and all the rich people and they're bringing their bags of gold and they're doing all those things. And there's the, the widow who comes and gives her might, which is essentially like the, lowest, like the lowest form of currency that they had. It was like literally next to nothing. And Jesus says that essentially, no, 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 no. Her best is all that I'm looking for. These other people are giving out of their excess, but this woman is special. I, I look at her and I'm going to write about her and she'll be forever remembered. Why? Because she just gave the best that she could. And I think that sometimes we can be so focused on the areas that we're not instead of realizing that God is not expecting you to be in this moment what you're not. Maybe 10 years from now, right? Like, this is always my prayer. Like, dear Jesus, please don't let me look the way I look today 10 years from now. Okay? Like, let me be on a journey of perfection because that's where I want to be. But I'm not waiting to be perfect in order to expect that God is going to do something in and through my life. That all I simply am responsible to do, and it may be nothing. I think this is why new believers, like they're getting miracles like, 
it's just like happening for them. And you're like, oh my God, what is going on? Because they're not focused on all the areas they're not. They're focused on what they are. You tell me I'm a child of God? Great, I'm a child of God. And you're like, dude, you're like doing drugs. And you're, you're like, how is that? I could literally give you a list. I mean, you definitely feel like you're not good enough. You definitely feel like a failure. You definitely feel like nobody loves you. How are you getting? Because God isn't, he's not looking for them to be something now. No, no, he's just looking, can you give me your best? And honestly believe that when you give your best, my grace will make up the difference. Because if not, if this isn't the truth, this is my thing, if this isn't the truth, and we need to be 100% in an area in order to experience freedom, it's a futile journey. The, under, the concept that I would be able to understand the truth, which is God, in its entirety, where I have absolutely no darkness because I understand the fullness of who God is, it will take me infinity years to get to the place where I know everything, about, all the light and all the truth about God's desire for me to live healed. Isn't that true? I say that, right? Angels are going around the throne saying, holy, 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 because they're seeing a new facet of God. From infinity to infinity, they will continue to discover new light, new truth about God. So if it was true that we had to be 100% and perfect in order for God to act in our life, we might as well not expect to have anything on earth ever. It's, it's impossible. Like, if it's going to take me infinity years to get there. And so obviously that's not what God is asking us to do. We know there's promises for here and now. And so I realize all that God is looking at me to do today is do the very best that I can do. And sometimes we can get in our head. Like I have conversations with some people where you ask them, like, are you giving your best? And they're like, I think I am. No, I, I don't know. Like, I actually know that I'm not. I don't know what, what I, I should be doing, but I, I just know I'm, right? And that's just a lot of self-doubt. Where people feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like I could always do more. What, what more could you do? Oh, I don't know. But I, I just feel like I could do more. And that's driven out of a performance mentality because we feel like we're always supposed to be better. Instead of realizing, like, this is, I, I, I don't know. And maybe you look at me and you're like, your best is the worst. Right? But to me, this is honestly my best. And that's actually all God is looking for me to do. Because we could do that, right? We could compare and contrast our life. You know, I used to do that with my mom. My mom has this amazing relationship with the Lord. And I used to feel like, oh, like God will speak to me when I get there. It's like, no, that's her best and this is my best. And there was a period of time where I spent six hours a day in prayer. That was my best then, but today I only spent maybe 45 minutes. This is my best today. 
And I'm not needing to get back to that place in order for it to be, no, this is the best I could do today. And like I said two weeks ago, it's not about me basing things off of the outside. It's about me honestly just taking a real good look at myself and saying, is this the best I could do? Because if this is the best I could do, this is the best I could do. And whether it's an inch or a mile, that's where grace fills in the gap for our life. And so it makes me come to a place where I'm honestly more focused on God than I am focused on my own personal ability to get things done. I realize that I'm a very small player in the equation of getting me to my destiny. Now, my part may be small, but it's going to require me to give it everything that I've got, right? Like this scripture says, right? Do everything you do wholeheartedly. Like give it your best today. And then when you've given it your best, stand because you can honestly expect that God is now going to step in and do the very best for you. This is what the message of grace is all about. It's not about this get out of jail free card. Although I guess it's true that you can do whatever you want. But that's not what grace is about. Grace is about this place where because I'm running so hard for God. But at the same time, I realize that even though I'm running as hard as I can, I could never honestly get there. Now grace steps in. This is what John 15 is all about. John 15 is realizing that he's the vine and I'm the branch. If I want to, if you want a tree to grow, and I'm done with this. If you want a tree to grow, what's the best plan? Should you like, you know, put a little sliver of the tree, connect like the smallest part possible? You know, like which end? You know, you have like a branch and it's like got a fat end and it's got a skinny end, Right? Like, how dopey would you be if you were like, this time I don't want to put the skinny end to the, you're like, that would never work. No, you want as much, as much of the branch to be connected to the vine. You want, I want as much of myself as possible to be connected to Jesus and what Jesus is saying. This is what the New Testament is all about. It's that I don't honestly have to drum up it in myself, the answers, the perfection, the performance. I don't have to, no, no, I just got to be the best version of myself that I could be today. Like when I have the option to be loving or unloving, I'm like, no, 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 I want to be the best version of myself. When I have the option to like flip out or stay calm, no, no, I want to be the best version of myself. I want to try my hardest to be the best version of myself that I could be. Because I understand this is my ticket. This is my key into what God is doing. Amen. 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 I just heard a teaching the other day, and it was talking about how in Christianity, we sometimes run away from the idea of being the best. Yeah. And the disciples walked around, and they were fighting about who was the best. Because Jesus must have introduced the idea to them that there was somebody who was the best. But in Christianity, we get hung up because there's so much comparison. Mm-hmm. We're afraid to walk on one another. And Ed, the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. But really, what was that? Jesus was setting the parameters on how to play the game. A life that's poured out in servanthood, in love, mm-hmm. in going low, in choosing to lift your brother up, in choosing to be united, in choosing to serve him with your whole heart, to surrender all, that's what automatically elevates you Absolutely. to the place of greatness. Yeah. And he told them, 
And he told them what to run after. And everybody can win. And everybody can win. The beautiful thing is you're running your own race. Yes. And you, you can win or you can lose. Yeah, comparison is what makes me feel like yeah. I'm not enough today. Yes. Because I look at you and I compare myself. And that's why all week I've been thinking about, we have fam jam breakfast on Sunday morning. And all week I've been thinking about what my mom shared on last Sunday, which was the idea of going after unity as, the house, as a mm -hmm. house. Because when we really link arms and get to a place where we love each other as a family, then that washes away all the comparison that says Pastor Tina prays better than me therefore she's amazing and I stink and we're just like we bless you and how amazing you are and we ride on your coattails so that you can take us farther and as we do that as one another we push each other to be better and better and we follow one another as one another's following Jesus and it makes us as a collective family be able to go closer and closer and closer to him because we're fighting for one another amen I just want to quickly share something before you pray. Um, I remember when we first gave our heart to the Lord. I remember um, just, and it was particularly in, in it, maybe it was an area of healing where we were, and this goes along with what you're teaching, and just, you know, wondering as you're doing the scripture and doing all the do's that you know, you know, getting the word in your eyes and in your ears so that it gets in your heart, so it comes out of your mouth, so you can experience healing and feeling like what you said. You know, am I doing all of the things in order to see, you know, the manifestation of healing in my children? And I remember one day Gloria said, you know what you need, you know enough right now yep. to experience breakthrough mm -hmm. in the area that you're believing for. Mm -hmm. And what I thought of as you were speaking tonight is, if we spend so much time thinking about what we're not, yeah. instead of focusing on what God is showing us in this season, because yeah. when we focus on what we know in the area of healing, finances, relationship, whatever it is, when we give our focus to what God has shown us in this season, mm -hmm. then what we're going to do is we're going to respond or Absolutely. act. Yep. And just like you skating, you wouldn't act. Yep. And when you don't act, you don't get results. Yep. Because faith is always looking for a response. Yep. So when we're thinking about what we don't know or what we're not, we're not going to respond. We're going to be so, you know, we're constantly wondering, do we know mm -hmm. enough? Do we know enough? Do we know enough? And we're more focused on ourselves and what we can do right. than we are on what Jesus did And so for when us. she said that, that set me free. You know mm -hmm. right now, because we, we knew we were giving our best mm -hmm. to focus on, pay attention yep. to what God was saying, yep. and that was key. Yep. And so then we were able to relax and say, okay, God, yeah. we know what we need what we need to know where we're to, to experience the manifestation maybe it's just a stiffly nose right now yep. and as we continue it's going to get better and bigger and better yep. and bigger yep. but we know and that brought a lot of peace to us absolutely at that moment to yep. be able to say okay god that's awesome yeah we have what we need right now yes. let's focus on it and respond yeah. to that amen that's so good sure yeah let me let's, let's just let me just pray over you guys just like let's just take a second um, I, I pray that my it was communicated clearly tonight. Um, I I feel like really the the purpose of the message is that we would come back to a place where our focus is on Jesus and not on ourselves. And I think that what performance tries to creep in and do is make us focus more on ourselves than we're focused on Jesus. 
and the, the power of the New Testament isn't that we can get it right. It's that we can believe in Jesus and that he could make up for where I miss it. So Lord, I thank you for that this evening. Lord, as this year is all about covenant, which really is anti-performance. It's really about an understanding that you are for us because you're for us. Not because we did something, not because we earned it, but you're simply for us because you love us. Lord, let this reality sink into our hearts that all you're expecting from us is the best that we can do. And in that, love, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love believes the best. And so even when you're looking at us, your assumption towards us is that we're doing our best. Lord, you're not judging us. But Lord, you're asking us to judge ourselves, to give all that we have to you. Because it's in that is where the blessing exists. So Lord, we rebuke and reject performance. The idea that we're trying to be something or we need to be something. Lord, you love us who we are sitting in this place. And you want to act and move on our behalf in this moment. And so we thank you for the exchange. We exchange performance for covenant. We exchange striving for resting, for doing, for being. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.